Reading in Church, a proud partner with Audible.com. Previously on Reading in Church and Other Distractions. Well, I know this about God, so that's true about Jesus. It's like, no, maybe you don't know that much about God, but I know that Jesus is the revelation of God, the truest mm-hmm. revelation of God or the the uh, the, the, the visible image of the invisible God. Uh, I mean, Paul talks about it and John's prologue talks about it and the wall of John and Revelation talks about it, that, that it's not going to be this time where we don't know that we know God. Now we know God directly, you know, the mm-hmm. Father. And you know, we get to heaven, there's going to be God and Jesus and a bird or something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Two guys and a bird, you know. So it's not going to be like that. Sorry. Really? Yeah. No. Nope. Because now that's what no, I want. It's not going to. It's not going to be. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't want that until you just yeah, said I can Now that you it. said and two now, guys in a bird, I want that. Isn't that strange? That's what I want. Advertising oh. works. It does. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Reading in Church and Other Distractions with Rob and Mike. Well, welcome back to Reading in Church and Other Distractions. I am Robert Wallace. And I am Michael C. McKeever. All right, really? The C, what's the C stand for? Extra bonus stuff. Okay, okay that's nice. Uh, these are the readings from March the 3rd, 2019. So this is the last Sunday of Epiphany or Transfiguration Sunday. Yes. So we have four readings, one of which I hope is going to be the Transfiguration, though I'll be honest, I haven't looked ahead. They're um, all. They're all the Transfiguration. Okay, that's right. Exodus 34, 29 to 35. Uh, Psalm 99, which is an interesting choice. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3, 12 through 4, 2. So we've just skipped now up into 2 Corinthians. Mm-hmm. And then Luke 9, 28 through 36, plus 37 to 43. Do you want to do all of the those, or are uh, you going to get wound up on the 36? You know, I imagine I would spill over into that, so we should read yeah. that, yeah. Okay, we'll do that. Uh, hope that, you know, I realized that for weeks, for weeks now, I've been saying like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter without saying what our handles are at these places. And uh, that's probably would be helpful. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, we are at Reading in Church. Mm. Um, and if you'd like to find us on Facebook, interestingly enough, we are also at Reading in Church. So oh. you should be able to find our pages that way. Okay. I uh, hope you will follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook. You can send us a message through uh, Facebook or Twitter, or you can email us at readinginchurch at gmail.com uh, and uh, we enjoy interacting with those Spotify people. now? We, you know, thanks for bringing that up. We actually are on Spotify. So if you would prefer to listen to your podcast through Spotify, um, that is a way to do spot it. Spot us on Spotify too. You spot us. Spot us. Spot, spot us a, a five spot on uh, <laughs> Patreon. Oh, I was, <laughs> I was doing the, I was going for the spot us as in lifting, but you were going for the spot us as in hey, spot dude, us. Can I, yeah. can I have a dime, Bro- <laughs> brother? Can you spare a dime? <laughs> do you guys even lift? Yes, that's where I was. So, so we covered a lot of wide ranging topics in the pre-show. Thankfully, yeah. I think we've Thank worked goodness. a lot of. The, we did the weather. Mm-hmm. Some news. We talked bad about some folks we didn't mm-hmm. want public. Got that out of our system. Got that out of our system. And uh, <laughs> so, is there any anything else that's uh, that's happening? Uh huh. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> no, nothing. Nothing. We need to talk about online. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, Just I'm, the I'm long, excited. The long uh, death march called winter of the Midwest. Yeah. Continues. See, I, this is the part that's confusing me because here I am now in Virginia, and uh, yesterday the high was 40 degrees. And tomorrow the high is fifty degrees, and today we got five inches of snow. So I don't understand. I don't understand. Uh, I am, I'm observing the weather, like, and I don't understand. You it. like living where there's seasons. That's right. <laughs> this well, week, every week. Yes, yes. All of the seasons this week. So Man. it's very, very strange. Someone posted a a, a um, cat in a hat. Um, meme and it said will it rain or will it snow i live in virginia i just don't know <laughs> <laughs> so that's basically how i feel right now so yeah well we have had so many ice storms and and uh, yeah, se- several this week said. and it's just deadly outside i gotta say i'm not garage... going out i'm not going out there that's <laughs> gonna be on sabbatical this week the uh, garage door broke at the house so yesterday morning i go well, the cables did i get this facetime from cindy as she's pointing it around the garage like i can fix it from <laughs> you know yeah 700 miles <laughs> grab, away grab a phillips i'm gonna walk you through this <laughs> that's right exactly <laughs> like landing in so, an airplane fortunately we have good friends and the garage door is working fine now oh she's that's even working by the time she got home so good to have all good is well friends. Oh. all is well so 
Well, that's all good. right. Well, I'm I'm ready for Exodus if you're ready for yeah. Exodus. So. Yeah, this looks like some good for stuff it. from Exodus. This is this is fun. I think yeah. I've read this part. All right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not even an OT guy. Probably I was reading some of the New Testament. Reminded oh, me sure. This. There were, it was a yeah. reference that you had to go oh. check. Yeah, yeah. This I is like another story. All right, here we go. <laughs> Moses came down from Mount Sinai as he came down from the mountain with the two tablets of the covenant in his hand. Oh, just in one hand? Interesting. Yeah, well, he's, dude, do you even lift? Yeah. Moses Bro. did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God and, and working out. <laughs> when Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, the skin of his face was shining, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses mm-hmm. called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses spoke with them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near, and he gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. When Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But oh. whenever Moses went, it's normal, it's not weird. Sure, that's what you do. <laughs> yeah. But whenever you? <laughs> Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take off the veil. He would take the veil off until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, the Israelites would see the face of Moses that the skin of his face was shining, and Moses would put the veil on his face again until they went, until he went in to speak with him. All right. right. So this is how to handle the veil situation, I think, is what we want to focus on here. Yeah, um, shininess. <laughs> shininess that happens. Um, this is, this is um, one of the, the interesting parts of Exodus at the, at the end of Exodus. Exodus is a very interesting and exciting book right up to the point where we start talking about the tabernacle. Yes. And uh, all due respect to my architectural uh, architecture colleagues, um, the, it's like having someone describe blueprints to you, that tabernacle section. It's and rough. then it describe and then, in detail the building. And exactly. <laughs> With exactly so the same have, language. Let's describe the blueprints, then you have the golden calf incident, and then you get the description of the, of the building. Of Can't it. So get enough of that. This happens in the middle of that uh, section. Goodness. Um, so this is on the heels of golden calf, and the reason we need these two new tablets of the covenant uh, is because Moses broke the old cab- mm-hmm. tablets of the covenant, um, which apparently God provided. But the second time God said, you bring up two tablets and I'll write on them. So apparently the <laughs> first time God provides the tablets, oh, but, but after you break them, right? then you got to bring your own tablets and then God will write on them. It's important that they have some skin in the game and they you That's know, right. learn the That's value right. of tablets. Don't just grow on trees. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> You think you can find tablets on every rock? In no. their wilderness? Are you kidding? <laughs> so you know how hard it is to come up with these things. But uh, so this is in that in the context of of that. Uh, Moses is now you know seen the the glory of God pass by as he is in the cleft of the rock, and it has changed him. Um, yeah. By of course giving him horns. Everyone knows that's mm-hmm. what has happened. Um, and if you don't know what's happening there, uh, I can explain the uh, Latin. Uh, this section is is hard to translate. Um, and St. Jerome, who translated the Latin Vulgate, came to this passage, and the word for shine is the word karan, which in every other context means horn. Yeah. And so, basically, Jerome said Moses came down with horns yeah. after seeing God. Mm-hmm. And uh, Michelangelo, Michelangelo, of course, did it reading, that way. Oh. reading the Latin, puts a couple of oh. horns on uh-huh. Moses. Yeah. As a result of this experience. I, when I was um, teaching at Berkeley, we see this big, big, I told you about these classes. You know, they're yes. all sorts of people. It was this beautiful, it was an old um, library table. You know how long those are. Oh, yeah. Because we had yeah. 40 people of all different stripes. And I'm at one end and Joel Green's at the other. And next to me is this carving of Moses. It's Michelangelo. It's a reproduction. Of, and I look over and he's always got his, his horns, got his horns. on. Yeah. His horns sitting right Very, up there. I yeah. remember that quite clearly. Uh, the uh, the reason, and you know, we we talked a little last week about translation and language. When you don't have a lot of words for a lot of concepts, and a single word meets, has a lot of carries a lot of meaning. Yeah, it's um, like a, like a chicken, like the, that new <laughs> yes, that new yes. language called chicken. I was hoping we could get through this without the chicken again, but yeah, like that. Um, um, and so the words Quran, which like I said means horn. I think the sense of this. Is and, and instead of shining, because nobody ever thinks of horns as shining. I mean, mm-hmm. unless you you know jazz horns, but not necessarily okay. in that context. Um, I I think you're supposed to think of it in terms of radiating, yeah, like like sound 
out of out of a horn i think is the idea that it is that it is that that's the sense of the word that is coming here is the sense of like um yeah like, like rays like beaming i've heard people uh, talk about like the rays before a sun you know sunrise yeah, or something like that like that like that yeah. Yeah. yeah um or coming through the clouds after the storm mm-hmm. or something yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that that sense of shining and so so that it either is beams off his face, and that's where the sense of horns, they're, they're shiny horns, mm-hmm. or <laughs> they are, uh, his, his face itself is is simply beaming, that it is radiating. It, it's, mm-hmm. it's the one that's doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is, he's changed as a result of, of his experience with God, and, uh, and it makes the people very uncomfortable. But what I think is fascinating <laughs> about this is that he wears a veil because of the shining. But he doesn't wear a veil when he's talking to God, and he doesn't wear a veil when he's talking to the people. Yeah. He only wears the veil when he's not around anybody. When he's not around. So yeah. I don't hmm. understand what we're accomplishing with the veil. I mean, there's I'm missing something, obviously. Maybe it was a heavy but... veil and he couldn't hear <laughs> couldn't hear him. What? No. What? Um <laughs> come over here and say that. No, it, it's um so, so it's interesting use of the veil that that he doesn't wear the veil when talking to God, and he does not wear the veil when talking to the people. He only wears it when he's done talking to God or done talking to the people. <laughs> well, um, you know if he wants to talk or not. <laughs> that's right. Oh, Moses wants to say something. The yeah. veil's off. Yeah. <laughs> Think I should talk to him? No, he's got the veil. He's got the veil. Oh, fresh no. water. <laughs> <laughs> Can't hear him through the veil. Um, anyway, uh, but yeah, so this is... I guess that's the context of this. We're setting up this this new uh, this new covenant, this new copy of the covenant after it has been broken, mm-hmm. uh, at following the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, but but encountering God has has been changed. Now, I don't know how much to make of this. Encountering the glory of God has you know resulted in a changing of Moses in some way. I don't want to go resurrection body in this. I don't want to go. <laughs> but it is it is it does seem to be at least a taste of that on some level of mm, the glory mm-hmm. of God that is being reflected in Moses. Yeah. It's been basking, that, been marinating in God's presence. It, it, right. And, and on some levels, you know, you, you're excited because that's actually what the call of humanity was supposed to be from the very beginning was to mm. reflect God to the world and reflect the world back to God. Uh, um, I love uh, N.T. Wright describes the image of God as an angled mirror that reflects the world to God and God to the world. Huh. And uh, and so maybe that's the sense that Moses is is be- reflecting that glory of God to the world in this context. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think you get there with horns. But yeah, maybe. Yeah, know. that's unfortunate. That's unfortunate. <laughs> I believe the only English translation that preserves horns is the Dewey Rhymes. And I think the is that rest right? of them. Yeah, I think the rest of them understand it as uh, as shining or radiating. I think radiating would probably be the better one. Beaming would probably be better. Dewey, <laughs> you think you're smarter than Michelangelo? <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're going to preserve that. <laughs> wow. So. I did not know that. Hmm. Yeah, true story. Yeah, I could see preserving it, but having a footnote or something. Right. It's really not that right. hard. It's not that hard. <laughs> it seems to be for some people. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, they've got... They've got a lot of art that uh, <laughs> yes to deal with. You know? An agenda, art and agenda. Art how and do I agenda. fit the how do I fit the art into my agenda? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> Welcome to translation. Yeah. So, well, there's a that's just curious. It's, it's curious, and it's very selective. Uh, mm-hmm. It this is uh, just kind of a is this a self-contained? I didn't go back and look at this. Yeah, in context. we're just dipping. We're just. Is it is it part of a larger story with a larger point? Not really. I don't think so. Moses I, I don't... is shiny. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I think that's it. I think that's the point. Maybe well done, he's Mike. happy. Maybe he's shiny happy. And when he wears the veil, he's not. <laughs> yes, exactly. I wouldn't approach exactly. him. He's wearing his veil. <laughs> don't talk to him. Veil's on. Yeah. Very All right. Song. Yeah. Well... Shall we look at the psalm? Yeah, let's look at Psalm 99. One, By the way, one of mine. I did a dissertation on it. Oh, good. Yeah, and this is in my dissertation section. Okay. Fortunately, it's not one of those I said a lot about, so. <laughs> okay, I dodged that bullet. <laughs> the Lord is king. Let the peoples tremble. He sits enthroned upon the cherubim. Let the earth quake. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted over all the peoples. Let them 
praise your great and awesome name. Holy is he. Mighty king, lover of justice, you have established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Extol the Lord our God, worship at his footstool, holy is he. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel also was among those who called on his name. There were probably others. Yeah, I may be free. This is not an exhaustive list. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I'm sure I'm forgetting someone. This is it's like the, uh, uh, the award ceremony. You forget it. Yeah, right, right. They cried to the Lord and he answered them. He spoke to them in the pillar of a cloud and they kept his decrees and the statutes that he gave them. Our Lord, O Lord, our God, you answered them. You were a forgiving God to them but an avenger of their wrongdoings. Extol the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. There you go. Uh, this is a pretty good psalm, as you can tell. This is a good one. Um, the, uh, we, we've just had a series of psalms, 96 to 98, are, are much more universal in their, in their tone, a little more worldly uh-huh. in all of you peoples. And you have a little of that in the beginning oh, okay. here, let the peoples tremble. But um, Celebration of Zion uh, oh, here, which is okay. as opposed to the the world, like you get in some of the earlier ones. Mm-hmm. So this is a little more, um, I don't want to say ethnocentric, but a little more focused on Israel, if you will. Right. Um, the uh, obviously enthroned on cherubim has a an ark image there, um, holy of holies image there, temple. I mean, this, mm-hmm. which would be in keeping with the the Zion focus. Um, the the singular focus of all of the Psalms uh, from. 93 to 99 are God is king. And you can see it opens here. Yahweh Samach, uh, mm-hmm. Yahweh, or excuse me, uh, Yahweh Melach, the Lord reigns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Lord, the Lord reigns. The Lord is king. Um, Sigmund Movinkel translated the Lord has become king. And mm. uh, people struggled with that because his, their argument was, well, when wasn't God king? And he said, well, we sing Christ the Lord is risen today, and it wasn't today. So mm-hmm. <laughs> you okay. know, it's the same. It's analogous. It's a liturgical function for him to say. <laughs> You're going to be nitpicky about king. the poetry of a psalm? Yes, yes, of his translation of the okay. poetry of the psalm. Okay. Because their problem was if, if, you, if you translated this, the Lord has become king, which he, now he was doing it for a lot of reasons. He was doing it because he envisioned these psalms being used at an annual Mm-hmm. festival that that celebrated god's kingship that you know he invented but um <laughs> <laughs> it it may have happened i'm not saying it didn't and there certainly are analogous ceremonies in other parts of the Near east it's just there's absolutely no evidence that ever happened in israel can other uh, people see the ceremony <laughs> no no nobody else Simon. well <laughs> Some can. I mean, you know, there's the ceremony in Assyria. I mean, there were kingship celebrations. All right. I don't wanna I don't wanna mock him. Simon. I have a girlfriend. She she lives in Canada. <laughs> you don't know her. My my God's kingship ceremony is at another school. Yes. <laughs> so. She goes to a different school. <laughs> it's a, maybe, maybe, but he but he liked the Lord has become okay. He he translated the Lord has become king because he envisioned these psalms being used in a ceremony in which you remember the kingship of Yahweh annually. And it is possible there was such a ceremony, and we simply have no explicit <laughs> record of it happening in the biblical text. Uh, we only have these psalms which might indicate mm-hmm. that that kind of thing happened. Okay, that's about as generous as I can be to Movinkel <laughs> on that on that thing, but. But but the main criticism to people was, why would you ever say the Lord has become king when God has always been king? And his argument was the same as resurrection. The Christ, Christ the Lord, mm-hmm. is risen today. No. You know, but it's not today, you know, this, um, that that happened. Well, it, it's drama. liturgical. There's drama, too. It's I liturgical. mean, liturgy, liturgy is dram- dramatic. Yeah, exactly. So... That phrase, though, Yahweh Malach, is is used in 93, 95, 96, 97, 98, 99. Mm-hmm. And it opens here, and not only do you have that there, you also have Mighty King in verse 4. God's kingship um, and holiness are, are paramount in those, in those psalms. Mm-hmm. And, and I've shared sort of my philosophy of the psalms before, but I, hey, I can share it again. Paramount um, is a good word for this Sunday. Paramount. It, paramount. That's true. Yeah. It is paramount. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the transfiguration is paramount. Mm-hmm. Literally. Yeah. Um, but uh, 
the this is the this book comes together book four so psalms 90 to 106 come together um during slash after the exile and it's a time of great questioning of you know what do you do with davidic covenant how is it that you know psalm 89 book three ends with the question you know how is it that god david's kingship's lasting forever when it's not lasted forever it's not there anymore god Mm. and what do we make of that and and so from my interpretation and my research i believe that book four is trying to answer that question what do we do with davidic covenant what Mm. do we do with david not being king anymore and i think that's why psalm 90 is moses and you get a lot of moses emphasis in fact of the eight mentions of moses in the entire book of psalms seven of them are in book four um and so you have this emphasis of moses and you have an emphasis on god as king and Uh. so i believe that the answer to the question what do we do about Davidic covenant? What we do about Davidic kingship is no, no, no. You need to focus on Sinaitic covenant and you need to focus on who is king in Israel. Yahweh is king in Israel. Uh And so, so for me, these Psalms are all driving that point home. Yeah. And and that's actually how I start when I lecture on kingdom of God. I said, well, first of all, God's always been king, even before they had kings, you know, you talk about every era. So yeah. Right. Right, exactly, and yeah. and so I think that could be why Samuel is there. That that Samuel is obviously uh, the one who initiated the, the Davidic kingship, okay. but he's crying to the Lord, um, and the Lord answers, sort of a reminder of that. And then you get this reminder of decrees and statutes, mm. a reminder of, of mm. Sinaitic covenant. Um, and so ninety to one hundred in particular is a, a strong Moses book, mm. and uh, uh, emphasis on Sinai, emphasis on Torah, and emphasis on divine kingship. Um, yeah, without question. Yeah, so that's that's I read the I read the Book of Psalms as a story. I read it as a book. There's a, a narrative that uh, and, that I've said is sort of metapoetic, mm-hmm, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and and Book Four begins at ninety, 90. or ninety, yeah, and, and goes. That, and Psalm ninety is actually the only Psalm of Moses in the entire Psalm and uh, Psalms, and it is. Um, there are there are a. Tr- tremendous number of lexical connections between Psalm 90 and Exodus 32, mm-hmm. the golden calf story, mm-hmm. where Moses is asking God to return, to repent, to have mercy, to, mm. to comfort the people. And, and I think it's an answer to exile only. So now Moses, the Mosaic Psalm is now being used to bring comfort in exile as opposed to uh, the golden calf story. I think uh. most people see Psalm 90 as an adaptation of the golden calf story, huh. but I see, I see it coming at, the beginning of book four to answer the end of Psalm 89, what's up with David mm. and Davidic covenant. Okay. Well, what's up with that is you need to go back to Moses and you need to go back to Sinai and you need to go back to Yahweh as King, which you've forgotten. Back to Moses. That's a back podcast, man. That's a podcast. <laughs> yeah. So I always wonder why Psalm 90 was, why, why that Psalm was there. That's interesting. That's, yeah. I, I see it as a direct, see, I, I find a, I I don't read the Psalms as an anthology. I read it as intentionally put together. Mm-hmm. I read it as a, a sort of text eminent approach to the Psalms. Yeah. So not everybody does that. For some, it's just a, you know, it's a collection of Psalms and it's just an anthology, but, mm-hmm. but not for me and others. Yeah. Well, that's, that's very interesting. So it's nine, it's 90 until what's the book? When does it end? 106. 106. Yeah, and so in ninety to one hundred, you have Moses as the subject of the song, and then you get two Davidic psalms in one hundred one and one hundred three, both of whom in those psalms are deferring to Torah and covenant. David is actually emphasizing Torah in one hundred one and actually deferring to Moses in one hundred three. Interestingly mm-hmm. enough, mm-hmm. so so in that point, the singer David is prioritizing Moses. Yeah, to I think drive that point home. No, so. I mean if. It seems like a good starting point for thinking about reading these as a as meta meta poetic when you have something that's yeah. so conventionally associated with David and then like ooh there's right. this whole there's this right. uh like Moses is coming bigly in these uh right. in these psalms right. you know what's up with that yeah. It's interesting and I've never had a good answer for that that David finds himself so often as the singer and rarely as the subject of the song and Moses rarely is the singer and mm. is more often the subject of the song. So you you find more psalms that mention Moses when you only have one psalm where he's the singer, and then you have David, 73 of them where he's the singer, mm. and very few of them where he's in the body of the text, actually. I, I, I can't 
think of one at the moment that mm. he's actually mentioned, apart from, you know, 89 and some of those king, kingship ones. Huh. Maybe that yeah. veil was like a like a windscreen sort of thing for the for the singer. We are getting deep into this. Yeah, deep cuts. Wow, deep cuts. Yeah. <laughs> deep. Well, yeah. we can't get we can't pursue that unfortunately. No, but yeah, just no time. Just some no time. some gold there for someone else to dig out. <laughs> That's the standard answer when they ask the question that you didn't cover in your dissertation. Well, that was beyond the scope of my yes, research, clear, but certainly a worthy clearly, project yes, in itself. Absolutely, and. <laughs> And perhaps would make more sense than my project. <laughs> exactly. You left that part out. <laughs> now you tell me about this. <laughs> Whoops. Where were you? Yeah. Uh. Well, I like that. That's good. Yeah. So that's why I love Psalm. That, and that's why I love Psalm 99. That's the, that's the moral of that story. Well, and what, <laughs> and in and, and short, uh, <laughs> what I hear you saying, if I didn't hear it, I got into cool. the... The meta narrative and meta poetics. Yeah. What's the point here? Would be of about Zion, that it's uh, harkening I, I back to that that it is founding the event. Torah and sacrifice and and I mean this. If we're if we're talking post exile, we need to get the temple built. That's an important thing, and we need to remember that God is King, and we remember to focus on Sinai, so we don't end up in this stupid exile again. So I think uh, we get that renewed emphasis hmm. on on covenant again uh, and uh, cyanatic covenant and uh yes. Zion and okay yeah and uh, which is why you have the ascent psalms and in the I'm I'm, I'm gesturing to book 5 I don't yes. know if you can see that. <laughs> I do that I do that yeah I frequently when I'm lecturing I'm pointing to powerpoints that used to be there a month ago on the screen well, I'm obviously pointing to later psalms here, yes uh, yes or landing aircraft one mm -hmm. or the other yeah yeah, history as we know moves from left to right. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, not in my case. For me, it moves not, from right to left. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, cool. Yeah. Thank you. That that kind of affirmation helps me move forward in my research. <laughs> okay. Very grateful. Good. Reading in Church is proud to partner with Audible.com. For you, the listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. They have over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, MP3 player. Surely you can find something interesting in all of that. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash readinginchurch. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash readinginchurch for your free audiobook. Go there today. Are you ready for 2 Corinthians? Yeah, are why don't we, we ever, just drop are we in ever the middle ready here. For second Corinthians? Yeah. There's a second Corinthians? Yeah, okay. Who, who would have known? Sec I've heard rumors. I've heard rumors of that. I've never. <laughs> I mean, read that's it. just crazy. Next thing you know, there'll be a second Peter. No one's going to look there. I'm going to talk about second Peter later. <laughs> no, you're not. Yes, I am. All right. Well, I'm going to go make some more bread. Okay. <laughs> All right. Second Corinthians 3 12 through 4 2. Since, well, that's great when you jump yeah, in. Yeah, I, I, you know, I didn't even go back. <laughs> since then, we have such a hope, whatever that might be. Yeah. Uh, we act with great boldness, completely <laughs> not knowing of what it is that we're boldingly acting. Not like Moses, who put a veil over his face to keep people of Israel from gazing at the end of the glory that was being set aside. Mm -hmm. But their minds were hardened indeed to this very day when they hear the reading of the old covenant, that same veil is there since only in Christ is it set aside. Indeed, to this very day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their minds. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of God, the Lord is, there is freedom. Now, all of us with unveiled faces see the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror are being transformed in the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. Therefore, since it is by God's mercy that we are engaged in this ministry, we do not lose heart. We have renounced the shameful things that one hides. We refuse to practice cunning or to falsify God's word, but by the open statement of truth, we commend ourselves to the conscience of everyone in the sight of God. All right. Well, that's a straightforward reading of Exodus. I, why didn't you talk about that stuff? <laughs> I, I seem to have missed that yeah. part. What were you thinking of? Yeah. 
I, I don't think that Paul picked up on the fact that he took the veil off to talk to the people, but okay. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, pretty much. That part seems to have been missed by Paul. Pretty much you guys are on the same page. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Other than that, we seem to be <laughs> clearly supersessionists in this passage. It, it is but. a great example of how, how, how we spend so much time to get back to the a first century, you know, uh, right. rooted historian. They're just like, they're just freestyling, you know, with the, yeah. the yeah. reading of scripture, you know, yeah. uh, midrash and, and midrash and, and I'll just, it's it's very interesting to see the way biblical authors read other biblical well, authors. You know, the the more that the more ever since I came up with that parable of how New Testament authors use Old Testament books being analogous to the way people make memes out of films yeah. and pass them around. Right. I have become more and more convinced that that is the perfect metaphor. Mm-hmm. That that sometimes it's important to know what was going on in the original circumstance, but other times it's not. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Like, like, for example, just this past week when Opportunity died, which, you know, I took very hard when Opportunity died you, on yeah. Mars. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I, I've been a fan of, of Oppie since I, I was an old school fan okay, of Oppie. Before I Oppie was the, cool. I was, okay. That's right. right. I remember the original mission. Um, but someone, you know, they, there's been a lot made of, you know, the, the artful translation of Opportunity's last yes. words back yes. to Earth, mm-hmm. and, uh, which, are, which are wonderful. But then this, this one meme someone sent out said, uh, translation of Oppie's last words, and it was from a uh, prequel, a uh, Star Wars prequel. It had Anakin Skywalker. I hate sand. Uh, which, <laughs> I hate sand. <laughs> which is, I mean, there's so many levels of that of that joke, and and no point at any point did anyone who get that meme upset that that's not what that scene was about in yeah. Attack of the Clones. Nobody cared what that right. was about in Attack of the Clones. Right. It was in a completely new context used in a very clever way that made mm-hmm. everyone laugh. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that to me is a really nice understanding of what Paul is doing with this passage. I mean, it mm-hmm. sounds like I'm trivializing it, but I mean, it's the same kind of academic kind of ac- action here. He's taking, he doesn't care about original context. Of course not. He has a point that needs to be made mm-hmm. and this will help him make his point. So he's going to use it as any good rabbi in the first century would do. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and, and they would say, just like someone, you know, I'm going to retweet this, you know, this is right. Exactly. This, this guy's good. good this one. is good. Yeah. Well done. Mm-hmm. It's that. Yeah, kind I shared of it with the boys. Communication. It is right. It's even the people that disagree would not, they would not disagree by saying, Oh, that's not the original context of that, Paul. That would not be the way no, they would they'd disagree come up with, with this. something other clever. They would, combat. they would, yeah. they would. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. 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 So there's a lot. Yeah. Clearly there's a, in a meme or, um, a tradition. There's a lot beneath the surface, and right, and uh, it's presupposed, and one makes their point on top of that. So, but that's you know, we spend all our effort getting back to the square one, right. you know, right, square one. But there's a you know, this is a a fitting analogy for some of the things he's going to talk about. Now, I forget. Now, there, I, I actually read Ralph Martin on this, who's very good about this passage because there are some verses here. It's like, what is he? I mean, I know. I know he's talking about Exodus, but then his point is like, what is his point? Now the Lord is right. the Spirit? What? And where the yeah. Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Well, here's, that's maybe one of the only <laughs> verses quoted from Second Corinthians, always out of context. Right, you know? right. It's like, yeah, I'm sure that that's how you're quoting that, is how that means. It's not what, what Paul meant. Yeah. yeah. But uh, he did mention some um, Mosaic op- opponents. Not Moses, but maybe some who are um, who are saying we need to return to the law or they're, they're legalistic or, or Pharisaic uh, Christians who possibly mm-hmm. are telling um, Gentiles that they need to take on some of these cultural trappings. But uh, so, yeah, on that, on that, see uh, earlier parts of second Corinthians, if you dare, but it, <laughs> it is a, it is a nice fitting analogy to the difference, different covenants. Um, and he's, he makes a few points about, the transient nature of uh, the previous covenant. Not that the, it's not though, as though it lacked glory, but it was a transient right. glory. Uh, it had. It was a glory that you couldn't handle, right? I mean, is that the sense here? It, that it was a glory that that. That's not what. That's weren't... not what he's going to choose from there. It's, okay. it's, uh, right. it's not that it's so overwhelming, but that it was. Uh, it was constrained and limited and transient. Now, you—that's not necessarily the heart of the Exodus story. 
No, 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 no. I was trying to go with what Paul was going. But with the there. the veiling I... is there's a there's analogies to um, the tabernacle in terms yeah. of uh, holy of holies veil and... veil between places where you can't go. Okay, right. Maybe in that you can't handle in that sense, but restricted, restricted, uh, fading. Okay. Uh, not entirely available. So he's playing with the uh, lack of access to both Moses' okay. face and uh, to actually accessing God in the Holy of Holies, which isn't spelled out here, but he's playing with veil language, veil on yeah. on Moses' face, and I think veil within the uh, the structure itself, um, probably presupposing tabernacle at this point. But um, um, Well, you keep saying tabernacle. Do you... Would you include temple in that? I would include same thing, same, same. Yeah, yeah, it's the same symbolic structure. Yeah, right. I just want and to make sure. I think that... we probably, I probably brought this up, but a tabernacle is a is a model, something of a mountain, and a model right. of this this as the uh, tribes surrounded the tabernacle, and as the the limited personnel who could get this close. You know, some people could go on right. the mountain, some people could go up close to the top. Only Moses yeah. could go into God's presence. So very much like the, the liturgy and the architectural um, gradations of holiness and, and, and you could say glory, I guess, in, in this context. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, so it had its, it had its limitations. It, in other places, he'll get, get into law. Like it, it's, uh, it has revelation, but not power. You know, he doesn't, not, he doesn't get into that too much in second Corinthians, but, uh, um, so it's a certain restrictions of glory and life and 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 fading and and not something that's permanent but something that's predecessor to to uh, mm-hmm. an ex- more exacting glory and so he's going to make the case for the new covenant and all the while I think he's also throwing shade at his opponents you know mm-hmm. who uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know he says um, where is it. Where he's talking? Oh, it's in four. It's, I stopped. Uh, we've renounced the shameful things that one hides. We refuse to practice cunning or falsify God's word. Wait, it's like, where's that coming from? <laughs> you know, right? He's in. He's in a, um, a contest for the allegiance of the Corinthians once again, who are who are chasing some uh, ministries that aren't really healthy for the congregation. Um, so yeah, he has a number of things to uh, to reinforce the um, the life in the spirit, rather than going back mm-hmm. to the law. Uh, the transforming nature of that. Um, and so there's some nuance here I should probably get into um, th- that I've always struggled to go, how does that verse make sense in this context? So the one that mm-hmm. jumps out to me is, uh, I'll, I'll pick it up at 15. Indeed, to this very day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their minds, talking about uh, non-Christian mm-hmm. uh, Jewish Jews, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So um, he's still playing with them. When Moses would turn toward God and interact with God, he'd take the veil off, okay? Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. what's in mind. Uh, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. When one turns to the Lord, he's thinking about that mosaic, mosaic yeah. analogy, and the Lord here that we tu- turn to our experience uh, relationally is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord mm-hmm. is, there's freedom. Um, and freedom is probably a contrast, another, uh, another point against the law in terms of its restrictions. Um, now I, I'm going to, I've not ever noticed and, and that I have done this in my reading of this text. I had always blamed the veiling of the people's faces and minds as on them, but that's not clear here. I mean, that it, it seems that veil is a veil here could simply be separation that they have not been included in on a level. It, it's not necessarily they're so stupid they they veil themselves because that's not here. I've re- I read it that way. Mm. I've heard it that mm. way, but it's you know it a veil lies over their minds when one turns to the Lord. The veil is removed. It's not even it's passive again in that context. Mm. Um, that would imply to me that it's God who's doing it. Anytime you have the passive. Um, and all of us with unveiled faces, you know, that it, it seems to me that, that God is the one who is veiling and unveiling here. Yeah. Um, you, you know, I, I'm, I've spent some time in this text and then I spent some time in the, um, the transfer, you know, the transfiguration text, which has all right. these echoes of Isaiah and the blindness that has come upon Israel, you know, mm-hmm. that we talked about mm-hmm. in regard to his commission. So yeah. it's actually hard for me to go back and sort this out, even though I studied this I first. Uh, 
So I'm um, trying to think of the, the arguments. Um, See, so only in Christ is it set aside. That's the only way to remove the veil. Yeah, in fully, fully. There's no, there's no, um, you know, this, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. There's complete access to it, as opposed to right. um, whether you're talking about the the drama, the narrative on the Sinai, or the structure of the tabernacle temple. There's a limitation. There's these veils that prevent mm-hmm. you from the full experience, right. the full encounter with God. Very limited in terms of who can enter into that. So would he be thinking in terms of this veil? I'm going to ask you to get in the mind of Paul here. Okay. Would would he be thinking that this veil determines in and out, or would this veil determine more and less? Uh, I think it's more and less. Okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's what I think. Yeah, too. because he's not so he's not so pejorative about the old covenant at all. I mean, although no, he's not. to in in a limited stretch of a argument, though, it might come off very binary that way. But this is uh, this is one in terms of uh, um, something that's fading away. That there was glory as part of this. Clearly, mm-hmm. there's glory part of that covenant, but it's transient, limited, restricted, and all of those things he's going to build up as as uh, enduring, uh, open, and free, uh, and transformative for um, for everyone in the mm-hmm. in the new covenant through the Spirit. So, okay, yeah, I, I think. If you if you take Paul piecemeal, you might find some very negative things about it, mm-hmm. if if you take Paul if, since if you take since, Paul since there's a tradition of taking Paul piecemeal. There you go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah uh, yeah you have to deal right. You have to you have to shovel out the barn every time you teach Old Testament because of this sort of stuff, yes, right? I do. Yes, I do. Yes, Her- Herculean task. <laughs> Oh man, but uh, that's a really good metaphor. <laughs> yes, yes. Since we do that, uh, oh. you might come across that. But that's not even that's not even the force of this, really. Um, yeah. I think it is. It is talking about the glory, but that it's uh, it, it's limited, and and perhaps there's something in terms of under full understanding. So part of that limitation is not a, a full understanding. The the veil when. Even today, whenever Moses read a veil lies over their minds, that's mm-hmm. that's a pregnant statement. So what all what mm-hmm. all does that mean? But we with unveiled faces see the glory of the Lord. And what what is striking to me, what's always seemed like seventeen is hard to read. Now the Lord is the Spirit. It's like where yeah. where have we been talking about the Spirit? How we mm-hmm. how Moses encountered God was a certain way on that mountain. And our mm-hmm. high priest encounters him in a uh you know, in the, like some of the imagery from the Psalm 99 that we read, but right, how we experience them is through the spirit, the spirit in the congregation. Um, and, uh, that is our encounter with the glory of God. And it is, uh, t- transformative and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and re- ref- I don't, not sure about this thing about reflected in the mirror. See, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in the mirror are being transformed in the same image of, from one degree of glory to another. I meant to go back and go, hmm, maybe someone else talks about that mirror uh, imagery better than what I've mm-hmm. uh, encountered in the sources I read today. For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. So real, uh, it seems like he's really wants to talk about the Spirit, you know, the, the spirit, spirit experience yeah. in the church, which is uh, much more emphatic well, in his letters than we sometimes give, well, give credit. Well, follow-up probably to the charisma of the, of the first letter. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you think about well, yeah. the spirit there. Yeah, but it actually, it's in all of Paul's letters. I mean, it it's very, very charismatic. Yeah. So uh, let's see. Now, four, therefore, since by God's mercy, we are engaged in this ministry. This is this is kind of his, probably more of his uh, apologetic. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the spirit segment, the second half of that first paragraph is about the experience of the congregation. And now it's a little bit more about his argument for making the cases as the apostle to the Corinthians uh, mm-hmm. over against some of these uh, liars, falsify the God's word and such. So we don't practice cunning, 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 uh, practice cunning, cunning. That's almost as though cunning, cunning is negative there. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Odd. Yeah. Maybe guile's okay. <laughs> yeah. Guile. Yeah. But it is, it is, it is definitely rooted in that mosaic story on the mountain. You know. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And to the point where he's jumping, he's got one foot on Sinai and one foot in Corinth, mm-hmm. 
Like I don't even have to easy. This is the thing when Paul gets into the heat in the into the middle of an argument, he does not transition well. He's he makes quick changes. As you know, like if you were to do a podcast with someone like that who who gets really involved in things, and you have to slow him down and say, "Here's what I hear I'll, you saying." I'll Paul, have to listen yeah. to more podcasts. Yeah, you have to listen to some because there's some like that out there on the internet. That's what I hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah the standards are not that high on the internet. So, <laughs> so it's quite a. Quite a, uh, it's not, it's a good analogy, obviously, clearly for what, yeah. for where he's going, for what he's going yeah. towards. Yeah, yeah, it's probably, it's probably more systematic than than say, or the example of a meme where you might be choosing one thing. It's like oh, right, this is a right. little bit more of a systematic analogy. Well, and what some people don't understand, uh, and I, of course, I've still I got into the habit when I was dealing with eighteen to twenty two year olds, and you know, so I'm on Reddit and I'm in this meme culture in so many ways. Yeah. There are memes upon memes with levels oh, of memes yes. and and developments and stories and right and you had and so, an exercise like that right you, I did yeah. I did yeah and and so now it's even gotten to the point where people will use forms of memes that call to mind other memes mm-hmm. that you only will understand in the context of this longer story mm-hmm. of what has been happening with this particular meme <laughs> yeah. over time. Yeah. And it's like, wow, I've put a lot of time into this culture. Why am I in yes. this subculture? Well, <laughs> and, you're, and we're just visiting that culture. There, right. There, exactly. There, yeah. That I've have, uh, Oh, I don't know. I think my karma score would indicate that I'm a member of that subculture. Okay. But that's okay. Okay. Your, your, <laughs> Oh, your karma score. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. My invisible, well, my internet points. Yeah. I've got internet. Yeah, points you went, you don't have. You've, you've gone viral a few times. Uh, I have yeah. actually. Well, it, my son, um, explains this to me in hip hop, how, um, Oh yeah. There's no, there's, there are things that are references to earlier, you know, poetic mm-hmm. references that you would never, mm-hmm. No, never get it with not being initiated. So, uh, right, right. Um, in fact, I see them on TV. There's a, there's a, uh, there's some, there's some, I don't even know what they're selling. It's some sort of software to keep, keep track of expenses. It's a wrapper in an ice car. It's, okay. it's ice, you know, ice is a, ice is a, an extension of bling and, and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. So there's extensions of, so there's bling which is, you know, like, like jewels mm-hmm. Go, right? Uh, or what's one aspect of it or gold. And then there's ice. And then he was saying the new things are about anything to do with water has something to do with ice, which has something to do with bling, which has something to do with mm-hmm. wealth. And so I was like, well, mm-hmm. really? Cause that's kind of, you know, pretty loose, but yeah, it just keeps going. I mean, that's, that, yeah. that's the way we, we try to provide insights of all sorts on this podcast yeah. and, and yeah. Uh, or, we'll start oral culture. How to listen to hop get. Yeah, that's right. I'll listen to hip hop. Yes, that's that's yeah. that's uh, that's what you're catching. The two white guys, the two middle-aged white uh, yeah. guys, explain how to listen to hip hop. Yeah, because the white kids, we <laughs> most predominantly white kids are teaching, <laughs> are imbibing as well. Uh, but they're not they're not generating as nearly as much as an, an oral culture that that produces yeah. that. That's right. Which is right. quite intense and interactive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is not. And there are rules that you don't realize, and it's not entirely unlike a, a rabbinic sort of. Oh, absolutely. A culture that's saturated in this symbolic universe, right? Is is pro- productive and fruitful and, and play on yes. it and twist. Of and, course, and, and there are rules, and you and there are ways to break the rules that still sort of follow the rules, and there are ways to break the rules that don't work. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. and you have to be in that culture to understand it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. Good. I think uh, everyone saw the connection between Paul and hip hop. So, um, you ready to move before on to Luke nine? Say, don't bring that week. So our kitchen. <laughs> Luke nine, 28 to all the way to 43 a. So now about eight days after these sayings, what, what those sayings ah. were, um, Jesus took with him, Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, that was Peter's confession appe- is what that was. Okay. Uh, The appearance, and did Peter get called Satan just after that? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, The appearance of his face changed. He had horns. Mm -hmm. No, he didn't. And his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. 
Now that's new to Luke, isn't it? Yeah, his ex uh, the literally of their conversation. His exodus, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they'd stayed awake, good for them. Hmm. Uh, they saw his glory and two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, uh, "Master, it is good for us to be here. Let's make three dwellings: one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah." Not knowing what he said. Um, Interesting. As a, well, as a I, spokesperson, I feel it's incumbent upon me to say something at this point. <laughs> I've, I've been that tired before yeah, as well. Yeah. Uh, while he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent. In those days, told no one any of the things they had seen. On the next day, when they came down from the mountain, a great crowd met him. Just then, a man from the crowd shouted, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son. He's my only child. Suddenly, a great spirit seizes him, and all at once he shrieks. It convulses him until he foams at the mouth. It mauls him and will scarcely leave him. I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Jesus answered, You faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. That wasn't the way I saw that ending. Um, While he was coming, the demon dashed him to the ground in convulsions, but Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the boy, gave him back to his father, and all were astounded at the greatness of God. Yeah. So this is, let's talk, let's tackle this last paragraph uh, first. You want to talk about the epilepsy first? Yeah, the heart, really the heart, (laughs) and that's probably what people are going to preach on, I'm thinking so. But this is this is uh, evoking that experience of Moses on the mountain, but the event prior with the first giving of the mm-hmm. law and then the golden calf. So coming mm-hmm. down from the mount, finding mm-hmm. things in disarray. So no golden calf here, but um, this is really, in essence, there's a lot of failure at the bottom of the mountain. And, and in one sense, this closes out the Galilean ministry as they're beginning to talk about the journey toward Jerusalem. Um, And at the end of Jesus' ministry, Jesus, at the beginning of this chapter, has invited the disciples to participate in his ministry, and been Mm -hmm. really participating prior to that. Um, And they were successful. So they are uh, inconsistent, or their faith is deteriorating. They're in disarray. Mm -hmm. they they're not living out the faith or faithfulness that needs to um, go along with the understanding of being a minister and and the the faithfulness which will continue to um, to show them you know clarity of what what really they are involved in who are they following and who's in whose name they're ministering so it's kind of a uh, uh, the two steps backwards sort of phase of uh, mm-hmm, after they put us mm-hmm. one step forward so unless you have that paradigm or that 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 narrative narrative substructure of the exodus and uh the sinai experience it's like this is an odd thing to follow up with uh, right e- right except the kind of everything at the end of nine is about uh, the needfulness of the disciples to hear uh what jesus is going to say as as jesus dad was just emphasizing um right a bit earlier up there on the mount yeah so and in fact the whole the whole movement toward Jerusalem is a, a journey of teaching these guys who aren't there, it you know, certainly is in Luke. It's a long journey in teaching in Luke. Yeah. Yeah. 10, 10 chapters. So, uh, it takes a, it takes a much longer trip there mm-hmm, in Luke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it it's not real clear about the geography and realize this isn't really about geography. This is about, <laughs> this is about these guys. It's about the journey, Mike. It's about Everyone the knows journey that. and the ones they meet along the way and the parables <laughs> we right. tell along the way. Oh. That's right. Maybe the real parables are the parables yes. we tell along the <laughs> That's way. That's the real parables. <laughs> Those are the real parables. <laughs> it is. And when you notice that it's like, well, this isn't really about geography. It must be about something else, you know, because he begins like, at the end of nine. No, 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 nine. no, no. When you discover it's not about geography, you impose a geography upon it. Well, right? How long have you been an some, academic? Some people, do that. <laughs> some people do that. It's got to, you know, you don't look for something else. You make your well, idea fit. The, the first, the first uh, encounter he has is with Samaritans. Okay. And then like 17, no. end of 17 or 18, oh, he's encountering Samaritans. He's on the border of Samaria. It's like, oh, wait a minute. Maybe, oh, there are Samaritans inside it. Major, I mean, yes. you know, that, that, all right. the time. Yes. Yes. We, can, small we can make this work. We can make this work. Wait, let me get out this crowbar. I will fit my theory. Hold on. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. I'm sorry. Go it's ahead. Very... It's not about geography, you said. Yeah. Well, right. This yeah. is my problem. Can't, when I when I distract be. us, we never get back on. That's <laughs> yeah. I just let you distract us. <laughs> I start with distraction. So yeah, there's no, you know, particularly you're talking about my thing with the journey narratives. Right. So what are journey narratives right. about? Not journeying. Yeah. The journey within. The people we meet away along the way. On on the journey within. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so this is uh this is an interesting structure in 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 Luke, um, it's in you know it's mentioned in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Mm-hmm. Not mentioned in John because uh, this is Jesus a, is always right, glory. This in is John. a one-time no. experience of revelation of Jesus' glory, or Pers- it might be alluded to actually in the um, in the prologue, uh, verse fourteen. Uh, we have of course because everything's alluded to in the well, prologue. Yeah, in yeah. John. alluding to an event that's not going to be in his gospel. Okay. Uh, but we beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten uh, Son of the Father. You know, um, is that fourteen? Uh, but yeah, it's kind of really at the almost the heart of the uh, of mm-hmm. the prologue. Uh, and then Second Peter talks about it too. Ah, back to Second Peter. <laughs> sure, ah. sure it does. And, and Peter says we're not just making stuff up when we talked about <laughs> that stuff that happened on the mountain. You know, <laughs> yeah. When we're talking about other stuff, we're just making stuff up. But when we're talking about that, not that, yeah. So he appeals to that. So it's kind of interesting that it's like it's in it, it's in lots of lots of sources, right? It's uh, uh, that that always struck me. It's like, wow, he's actually you don't find much appeal to events, you know, other than mm-hmm. resurrection, you know, right, right, uh, right, right, right. appealed to from Jesus' ministry. Although this is kind of a for, this is a foreshadowing of the the resurrection, as he's just said to uh, to Peter. Um, you know, there's not, there's some of you standing among us who see the, the kingdom come in glory, you know, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, after he is uh, confession and, and, uh, rebuke and, uh, and such, mm-hmm. um, in Luke though, uh, it shows up a lot of plans, but it's nicely structured in Luke and that you have this kind of a chiasm with Jesus identity stated by Peter, uh, a little bit earlier. So the structure begins mm-hmm. before this. So, uh, and 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 Luke nine is all about Jesus' identity. Uh, then the second part is Jesus' death is stated in verse twenty two. His future coming and glory is stated in twenty six. So as we're getting closer to the, this passage, uh, and then the balance of that is is in this passage. His glory is visibly demonstrated in transfiguration. Mm-hmm. His departure is talked about. Uh, his exodus discussed by Moses and Elijah, and his mm-hmm. identity is affirmed by you know a heavenly testimony, not just someone like Peter. So. I gotcha. So it's a, it is the, uh, in some sense, a. Um... That's nice. That's A B C C B A, mm-hmm. right? That's yeah, yeah. The confession, departure, and and. Uh, yeah. So confession, con- departure, identity, and glory, death, and glory, glory, glory and then departure, departure, death, and glory. and identity. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. Nice. God's God's testimony, and really, nine is nine is nicely structured. It's a really good. Ex- that's why I love Luke. It's always nicely structured. Well, Everything in Luke is nicely structured. I don't think there's quite sentences. Well, that's true. Yeah, he, he everything. He's, he's got a lot going on, but here on a big scale, nine is all about who is Jesus. You know, it's answering that mm-hmm. question. Now, that's really at the heart of a passage like this, or or Peter's confession, uh, kind mm-hmm. of two panels of the same point, but the whole chapter is that way in that you have the question, um, the crossing of the sea, the stilling of the storm. They ask, who's this, who can do this sort of thing? Who in the world ever heard of someone who could control chaos? Right. Yeah. That's a, no one's ever heard of those stories. It's like hearing an old person having a baby. That's just crazy talk. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) And then you have them entering the ministry and Herod hears about it and he goes, who's this Jesus guy? Even though it's those guys, you know, Mm-hmm. talking about uh he's hearing the results of their ministry um and he says john the baptist i you know i killed who's this jesus guy so the implications are bad for jesus and for these other people who are really being you know herod's really hearing about mm-hmm. their ministry so that's not you know the shadow of the cross starts before you get to this uh mm-hmm. confession mm-hmm. and the announcement so the whole chapter is a nicely constructed narrative about answering this question who is jesus in in different ways and the some of the distinctive it's so it's so saturated in Exodus imagery as you know everything we're reading today uh, Transfiguration Sunday um, a bit more Exodus than say how this is um, found in in well I should say the focus is more on the Exodus itself the journey and the liberator- liberation mm-hmm. 
Whereas mm-hmm. in Matthew, it's more um, Moses typology all the way through. Right. So it's more about Je- right. Jesus being Moses. Here, it's more about the. It's more about the journey. Yeah, well, it literally is. It's the literally the word Exodus. They're talking. Moses and Elijah are talking to him about his Exodus, which he will accomplish in Jerusalem. He's going to accomplish an Exodus. So mm-hmm. that's very interesting. And and part of Exodus is the word journey. You know, path or yeah. path. Exodus. Hadas. The journey out. Mm-hmm. The the uh, the path out, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And the question question might be, what's in Peter's mind when he speaks up? It's good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings. Mm-hmm. Is this saying? Is the critique? And there's an element, probably a critique, in what God says. Like, listen to him. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Peter, Try shutting up. Peter feels it's incumbent upon him to say something. And and and. Uh, well, they're about to leave. He's trying to give him a reason to stay. Uh, you know, maybe they're leaving because they don't have a place to sleep. Maybe that's yeah, it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. It's just, it's just hospitality is what it is. It's, it's hospitality. It is. It's hospitality. Yeah. Well, People you, get in trouble for not being hospitable yeah, in the Bible. Yeah. Guys just saying, you don't, you don't have to talk. Just listen some more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't, yeah. You, don't use your words. But the question might be is, uh, as people critique, usually when Peter says something, then there's critique of what Peter says, okay, at this mm-hmm, point, other mm-hmm. than when you get to, unless you get to Pentecost, it's, he's probably going to need some critique because he doesn't get it. So how doesn't he get it? Is he saying Moses and Elijah and Jesus are equal in some sense? Mm. Or is he thinking, uh, oh, we're celebrating the arrival of the glory as, you know, tabernacles celebrated the God's glory mm-hmm. on Sinai? Or is he responding to, oh, they're going away, they're fading, you know? Mm-hmm. All of those are missing the point, you know, in some right. sense. Uh, I'm not sure how he's missing the point. I will say, if, he's, if he is missing the point that let's make three tabernacles, and the idea is we're making three places for these three people, for, for God's glory, uh-huh. then he was way underestimating how big God's glory is about to be because the cloud comes yeah. and overshadows the entire area. Right, um, right. So this, hey, how about this? How about this is a critique of Peter's limited vision of salvation in Acts 2 that doesn't get fixed until hmm. Acts 9. That's interesting. Um, and his understanding of of how many dwellings are going to be necessary. No, this dwelling's not even going to be able to be contained. The glory's not going to be contained in dwellings. Yeah, because there, there's some point. discussion about who, who was enveloped in the cloud, and the probably a good reading is that everyone, everyone, everyone. on that mountain, Moses and Elijah yeah. were already somehow mm-hmm. in God's presence, you could say, but the mm-hmm. cloud envelops them all. You know, yeah. after the fact. So yeah, that the timing of that's interesting because uh, yeah. I didn't really. I think I probably hadn't really. I wasn't conscious of it, but I was thinking of the cloud enveloping, enveloping the three talking, and then the uh. cloud lifts and they're like, "Woo, magic! It's just Jesus," you know. Yeah. <laughs> and and no. and that's why I, t- I tended to lean toward these three are equal in some sense, but no, you got to listen to this guy, you know. No. And and that's precipitating a journey of teaching, so that makes sense. But that that. I think there's a lot going on, obviously. I, th- I like what you yeah. just said about the... Uh, Too narrow an understanding yeah, of the yeah. vast glory of God. Right. And the argument for it being fading is like, well, the cloud hasn't even descended yet, so how, why would right. he be giving voice to a, a concern that it's fading somehow? Unless they're reading Second Corinthians into this, which is right. like... And, and who, who doesn't do that? Right? Well, sure. Yeah. It came first, so... Yeah. yeah. Well, I was reading this into Second Corinthians because it's like... I can't, I can't, uh, they're so in, intertwined, it's hard for me to untangle them uh, after yeah. a day of reading some good, some good sources on that. Um, yeah. yeah, so, wow, what a rich, uh, rich symbol. So it is, I, it's a vision of uh, his vindication. His, uh, he's talked about his death, but he's given a glimpse of his uh, glorification resurrection. This is now my third transfiguration with you on this podcast, and I'm very glad because prior to the podcast, I never understood transfiguration. Mm. I just didn't. I mean, I tried, but I just never saw. I never saw all that was happening. Mm-hmm. I still don't see all that's happening, right. but I see a whole lot more that's happening than I did when we first. So I'm I'm very grateful yeah, for this oh, podcast to to help me with uh, with transfiguration and this you know manifestation of of post resurrection back at the beginning. Yeah. Yes, that's uh, that's that's it, yeah. The the language is very much resurrection language. Mm-hmm. So it'll come back, mm-hmm. come back again. And very much a high point. You know, people talk about the high point of G- Peter's confession. It's like, well, not so much. Uh, this yeah. is the high point of Jesus' ministry in the sense of uh, uh, clarity of what the the uh, kind of mm-hmm. unveiling of the big picture. Um, and it's at that point because he's begun to talk about his death, and uh, it's yeah. it's a needed clarification. 
And so I'm sure I'm sure these guys get it at this point, you know. Uh they'll just redundant what Jesus was saying for ten chapters. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> these guys. How could yeah? It's like here's another way to think about it. Yeah, yeah. It's of the thing you already understand. It's stuck it's stuck with Peter. Yeah. And with second yeah. Peter. Too. <laughs> also, both Peters. Yeah, just Second Peter didn't know how to express it as well as First Peter did. So <laughs> I still that is still one of the greatest lines ever, Bruce Metzger about Second Peter, that it is the only book in the New Testament that benefits from translation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That is a rough Greek in so, Second Peter. Uh, yeah, oh, that's true of uh, it's true of Mark a little bit. Oh, well, Mark, I can handle Mark better than I can handle Second Peter uh, personally. And then a, um, you know some dynamic equivalents or paraphrases of Paul's argumentation can be helpful. right. Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true too. But and then Revelation, God bring in Revelation. Revelation has rough grammar to make a theological point. You know, on, on purpose. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. yeah, I don't get that Mark or Second Peter were doing that on purpose. No, I think, <laughs> no. I think Mark just well, thought a, a, part, a participle could maybe be a verb. That's yeah. cool. Well, Mark's a, <laughs> Mark, you know, he, he, you hear people storytelling. You know, he's a storyteller, and you he is. You use verbs and use language differently to tell a story. Guy, and, and guy you know walks what? into a bar. Wait a minute, he walks now, or he now it's happening right now. That's yeah. actually how I explain what's known as the Vav consecutive in Hebrew is is telling a joke mm-hmm. that because uh, it's. The in form, it looks like the imperfect, but it's always translated as something that has already happened. Mm. And I said, an example of that in English is, so these three guys walk into a bar. I've used the present tense verb, but you have an understanding that, A, it happened in the past and that we're in a joke. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, right. So, so that these are, that those are under, that, that the grammar doesn't quite convey the meaning as well there because of convention and the way we use the language. Language is something we use and doesn't rarely constrains itself to our, to our rules that end up to in easy books. rules. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Thank goodness. Oh. <laughs> it's much more interesting that way. Yes. So. Yes, it is. Well, great. Well, thanks for listening this week. Um, I, I wanted to hurry up and end before Mike continued talking about Revelation. Because mm-hmm. uh, yep. goodness knows we would have rolled on. But yes, hope that you have, hope you've gleaned something this week. I hope that you will uh, follow us on Twitter at Reading in Church. Like us on Facebook at Reading in Church. Spot us on Spotify. Um, or spot us on Spotify now. You can listen to us there if you'd like to. Uh, Reading in Church and other distractions. So have a great week. Have a great week. Blessings. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk.